We are orthorexics. Orthorexics. And proud of it. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, July 1st, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation media assassination episode 213. This is No Agenda. In need of a release of my second chakra. And coming to you from the hilltop watchtower, Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West. In the People's Republic of Southern California, in the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where uh, July 4th is coming up here. Do they celebrate July 4th in Canada? I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. You know, there are people who actually ask that question. <laughs> well, the question is, is you go to, you say to a Canadian, say, so do you, so you have a big holiday coming up. Do you guys have July 4th in Canada? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, of course, they say no. And you say, really? What are really? you the 3rd to the 5th? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, for July 4th? This is, unfortunately, it's true. This, uh, this absolutely happens from time to time with our incredibly uh, smart populace. <laughs> in the morning, John, in the morning uh, to everyone on the stream, and let me say it today, in the morning to all ships at sea. And in the morning to everyone listening. Yes. You know, you, uh, you were up late uh, last night and up early this morning uh, looking at my email log. Uh, yeah. What happened? I was up late last night and then I got up early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, what happened? You just fell out of bed? No, I, it's, I got my normal number of hours. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, seven, right? That's what I always get. I wake up after seven. No, no, I, I go for help. six. Really? Ooh. Seven is the ideal number. There was a there was a lecture on uh, UCTV, and uh, for, this woman was the world's expert on sleep. Yeah. And how, she was she said hot? That, <laughs> she actually was wasn't a bad looking woman. Okay. Professor. Anyway, she says that the, all the studies indicate that the the optimum number number of hours for human longevity, in other is, words, if you want to live long, yeah, is, seven, is hours. seven hours. And if you get eight hours, it's the, it has the same negative benefits as getting six hours. And getting nine hours has the same negative benefits as getting five hours. I always find that if I awaken on the odd hour, that I'm better than the even hour. Yeah. So if I wake, I, t- I tend to find it very difficult to get seven hours sleep. Oh no, it's no problem for me. You know what? Uh, yesterday, no, uh, the day before yesterday. Mickey has been threatening. She dragged me down to get my teeth whitened. Uh, and this is, it's a process called the, what? Yeah, she's cleaning me up. It's the process called the Zoom. And uh, it's crazy because what they do is they, they put uh, a hydrogen peroxide on your teeth and then they blast it with a light for like 45 minutes. And what happens is because your teeth are porous, then the stuff gets into your you know, basically into the, what do you call them? Well, you know, it's porous, so it gets close to the nerve, and all of a sudden you start getting these, like, electrical shocks, almost like you're chewing on aluminum foil with a filling. Yeah. And, uh, and it, but it doesn't happen until they turn the light off, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And then they said, oh, don't worry, that's just what we call zingers. I said, well, you could have told me beforehand, and then they gave me Vicodin. I've been sleeping quite well. <laughs> that Vicodin shit's amazing. I'll bet. <laughs> I, I never really uh, tried it. <laughs> I 
Vicodin. Yeah, Vicodin. Yay! Vicodin, good. It's good stuff. Yeah, well, that, that peroxide treatment will uh, be interesting because it sometimes, it, and some people, if they put it in, a lot of them mix it up wrong and then they put it on your teeth and you, they pull a thing off and your teeth are gone. They actually <laughs> it's okay. They're, what do you mean? <laughs> They're still in or there. You, oh, by the way, and don't bite an apple because many times just crack their teeth go right into the apple. Okay. I'll take your advice. <laughs> like, but you'll have pretty teeth. That's that's all the sun. I had to sign like a whole bunch of forms, which is basically oh, yeah. like you well, can't sue us. The teeth start falling out. <laughs> it was quite funny. So um, do you want to talk about Al Gore before we uh, do the producers or should we do we have an executive producer actually for the yeah, show? Yeah, let's go. To the producer. We got a couple. Oh, good. We have an executive producer and an associate Our executive producer is the John Smith who now uh, he has a knighthood, doesn't he? He's a now a knight. We'll, t- we'll give him his knight uh, ceremony later. Fantastic. And he's our executive producer. And then we have associate executive producer is the uh, famous Jimmy Vega. Hey, Jimmy now Vega. In Woodhaven, New York. Um, and he's in... Uh, uh, he's at 250, so we, that's our two, our two guys. <laughs> Jimmy Vega doesn't actually, doesn't actually sing, does he? We don't know. You're just making that up. Yeah, right? If you had a name, Jimmy Vega... <laughs> I would be singing. Sing. <laughs> I would be in Vegas. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'll be here all week. Jimmy Vega. Okay, that's that's beautiful. So um, that's nice. We have a, a knighthood to look forward to, and uh, and two producers. Oh boy, and a phone ringing. Hey, there's um, we got a. I will have to call out uh, someone as a PR associate actually, because I'm quite pleased with this one. Remember our buddy who registered vajazzling.com after your excellent report and prediction of future vajazzling uh, in the media. Hello? What? <laughs> what are you doing? I had a phone rang. I had to go hang it up. All right. Do you remember the guy who registered vajazzling.com? Yeah. Right. So uh, he registered another domain name. Have you heard of the phenomenon 2204355? 2205. <laughs> <laughs> Two two zero four three five five. Oh, two two zero four three five five. That's different. Yeah, it's yes, it is. It's uh, one of those internet memes. Time Magazine actually posted about it. Uh, you may or may not have noticed that when you type in two two zero four three five five into Google and hit the "I'm feeling lucky" button, this inexplicably happens. And then it brings up this guy doing the Kentucky Fried Chicken dance. So. Um, uh, our guy from Vajazzling.com either noticed this meme or he may have been... It's kind of like a Rick Roll thing, I guess. It's just one of these weird things. And he registered 2204355.com. Good man. Yes, and he's put a No Agenda logo and link at the bottom of the page underneath the Kentucky Fried Chicken dude. So Great. <laughs> I think that's good to hook into a meme this with guy, another this meme. This guy should be working in the business. He could, you know, I think there's a job at Hill and Knowlton waiting for him. <laughs> Anytime he wants, he can go. So, uh, Jimmy Vega, our associate executive producer. John Smith, uh, soon to be Sir John Smith, our executive producer for episode 213 of the No Agenda Show. Thank you so much. Uh, feel free to put this in your email signature. Definitely list it on your CV. It is an official credit. It, uh, it will be recognized as such by agents and managers worldwide. And uh, it is uh, good for karma, and we've seen many people benefit from uh, proudly displaying this uh, credit as a uh, producer, executive producer, and or associate executive producer. 
And all the rest of you out there, we still need you to help out and propagate our formula, which is really simple. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. That's right. Remember to say it all with me now. Let's do it together. Shut up. Dvorak.org slash NA to become an executive producer or associate executive producer. And we'll talk about uh, more support that we receive later on in the show. So, um, well, just, since you, yes. well, you want to, you want to start with the Gore thing? It's just so funny. It's just, it's just, it's, you know, the whole, I mean, what a way to pick up chicks. I need to release <laughs> in my second chakra. Can you please help me? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, do, do, do I think I have a clip for the extra rundown since we're going to go into this? Oh, really? Oh, good. Which may or may not have gores in it, but it has all the news that the, all the real news all jammed oh, into well, one teaser. Well, then let me uh, let me marry it with our real news jingle. It'll sound real professional. Hold on a second. And now back to real news. Larry King today telling extra who he wants to replace him. Larry's first words about hanging it up after 25 years. He's sad and happy all at the same time. Will Ryan take his seat? Piers Morgan? Bill Clinton? And how his wife Sean took the news? Elizabeth Edwards comparing herself to Sandra Bullock. She wants to reclaim who she is. Why she's baffled John fell for Riel. Plus, heartbreaking news, her cancer spread. Why Elizabeth prays she'll live eight more years. Secrets from Jake and Vienna's vicious TV showdown. Face-to-face for the first time since they broke up, who storms out? Madonna's mini-me Lourdes all grown up. God, she looks amazing. What incredible style. And then my second reaction is she's dressed completely inappropriately for school. It's Madonna extra raw on her new family business. Plus, secrets from the next Twilight, Breaking Dawn, why our pats can hardly speak. What is wrong with me? Elizabeth Edwards breaks her silence for the That's first it. time since the whole John Edwards scandal blew up. Jerry's got the all-new interview. You can kill it. He chose her over me. Elizabeth Edwards just doesn't understand. Oh, there you go. You're up to date. So, so, so they short sheeted <laughs> Gore. Yeah, and they and they uh, and they put in Stuck Edwards it to Edwards. Yeah, That's weird. Yeah, I thought so. So the examiner uh, headline: Sex complaint against Gore is detailed and credible. <laughs> you know that this just—he's uh, just a new world order elitist creep. And I and I love in this story, you know. So this this—if um, you—I'm sure you know by now the the story you've heard about it. Uh, but what I love is uh, she talked to liberal friends like herself uh, who advised against telling the police. This is the uh, masseuse who uh, Gore basically uh, assaulted. He sounds like a masher. Yeah, oh, a total masher. And one, yeah. one of her uh, liberal friends said, just suck it up, otherwise, otherwise the world's going to be destroyed from global warming. <laughs> <laughs> just suck it up. Take one for the team, for the team. <laughs> Can you just imagine Gore, like, mashing on top of you? Oh, that's, that's the stuff nightmares are He seems are like a masher. Remember the time when he was, when they got the nomination, whatever it was, they gave his wife the big, oh, the yeah, big that was the, kiss yeah, in uh-huh. front of the whole mm-hmm. audience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, he had to go. He, he had to go because he failed on his mission. Um, 
as the uh, as the global warming guru. So they had to get him out of the picture. And you know, there's aside from actually giving him the old uh, two to the head. This is the, the what better way? Just yeah. To, this and you know the next step would have been some phony baloney pedophilia charge. Oh, can still come. Yeah, it could if he doesn't back. If he doesn't, <laughs> if he doesn't get doesn't out shut of the up, way. yeah, he really got to shut up and get. You know, the thing is, I understand it when he shows up. You know, he's the, he's a, one of the one of the uh, um, partners of some sort at Kleiner Perkins. Well, yeah, no, he. Uh, That's the big fund they have uh, together, which uh, includes includes the carbon trading uh, desk scam. Yes, and uh, apparently when he shows up over at the offices, he lords it over everybody. He's got his all these you know Secret Service guys. No, 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 no. Let me just correct you on that because I've been there when he was there. He has two Secret Service guys in an Escalade, and he's got a sheriff. The sheriff comes out with him. So in total, it's four guys because it's the sheriff and a deputy. That's his whole detail. But it's enough, that, you know. That, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't yeah. walk around with four people. <laughs> Am I posse? I think you're more <laughs> under threat than he is. Nobody cares about him <laughs> no. except the women. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, no, I think he's, he's just got to lay very, very low for a while. And uh, just interesting. So, so you sent you said you know you had only a couple clips, much less than than normal. There wasn't that many clips that you you apparently gar- garnered a bunch of clips. I found very few. Well, it's funny because you know I uh, now actually I did have a lot of time yesterday. I'll be the first to admit that, uh, which is a good thing. Let your teeth heal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, so I'm high on Vicodin. The day went by really slowly, <laughs> and um, get a lot more work. Done yeah, I get a lot more done that way. And, you know, my, my hunch was right. I was thinking, you know, everybody is all over this Elena Kagan confirmation hearing. So there's got to be something else going on. Yeah, the minute Drudge, because po- I'm sure, uh, I don't think you even have it. Uh, I got to play the clip from uh, Elena Kagan. This is the one that Drudge posted and everyone's like, oh, she, you know, uh, when she comes in, then the government's going to force us what to eat. Yeah, I know. I, I found that to be uh, disingenuous. Should we just play? Let me just play that for a second, yeah, just to, just to set it up. Everybody, so, I was on the blog. Yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll I actually have it under the heading Codex Alimentarius because the one thing I couldn't find is what um, who's the guy that asked the question? Um, Coburn, Senator Coburn. What I couldn't find is um, what bill he he was referring to because he's basically saying you know there's a bill that's that's coming through that uh, has to do with telling people what to eat. Uh, and so what is your decision going to be on this? Well, let's listen to the clip. This is uh, from C-SPAN 3 from the live coverage. If I wanted to sponsor a bill and it said, Americans, you have to eat three vegetables and three fruits every day. And I got it through Congress and it's now the law of the land. got to do it. Got to do it. Does that violate the Commerce Clause? Sounds like a dumb law. Yeah, I, I got one that's real similar to it. I think is equally dumb. I'm not going to mention which it, which it is. Now, what, now, how come no one's all over that? Well, what bill is it? I was Googling, Googling, Googling. Googly, googly. I couldn't find it. Did yeah, I, you probably have to call his office to get it. <laughs> I think that the question of whether it's a dumb law is different from whether the question of whether it's constitutional. And, and, uh, and I think that courts would be wrong to strike down laws that that they think are are uh senseless 
just because they're senseless. Well, I guess the question I'm asking you is, do, do we have the power to tell people what they have to eat every day? Uh, Senator Coburn, uh, um, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, what is the extent of the Commerce Clause? We have this wide embrace of the Commerce Clause, which these guys who wrote this never, ever fathomed that we would be so stupid to take our liberties away by expanding the Commerce Clause this way. And I think he's holding up the Constitution. It's a little unclear. What It could be the Bible. I'm not sure what he's holding up. It looks like the Bible. Bible it looks like a Bible. Constitution. It looks a little thick to be the Constitution, actually. So, um, so everyone's so that may be the law he's talking about. Yeah. Well, who knows? I, I don't understand why he doesn't mention. I find that the weird. Uh, me too. I, 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 it's that's like, huh? Why don't you just tell us what's what's going on? Why, why the big secret? But I don't see anywhere in the media anyone questioning this. Well, what was he no. talking well, about? Most people in the media think we should eat, the, you know, three vegetables a day or something. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, boy, I do I have... I could a, go for a vegetable right now. Yeah, I could go for I a, think some squash is I in could, season. I could go for a, some, some broccoli. Some broccoli. Tasty. Yeah, broccoli is nice. Uh, well, just on that briefly, you know that uh, you and I both could actually be suffering from uh, an actual disorder, John. Broccoli? No. Orthorexia nervosa. Orthorexia. Yes, this is uh, this is. It's, a ner- it's, a, it's obviously a orthorexia. You haven't heard of this? Oh my goodness! No, no, of course not. What? <laughs> well, this is big news. This is all over uh, the mainstream news. Orthorexia. Uh, I just said it, and I forgot it already. Nervosa. Uh, orthorexia nervosa is fixation on righteous eating. Oh yeah. <laughs> we are definitely sufferers. Is there a pill? Not yet, but there will be a vaccine. Yeah, uh, it's called a McDonald's hamburger. Yes, the uh, I am definitely seeing significantly, significantly more orthorexics than just a few years ago, said Ursula Philpot, chair of the British Diet, Dietetic Association's mental health group. Other eating disorders focus on quantity of food, but orthorexics can be overweight or look normal. They are solely concerned with the quality of the food they put in their bodies, refining and restricting their diets according to their personal understanding of which foods are truly pure. Orthorexics commonly have rigid rules around eating. I think we, whoever got that website, get orthorexia.com. Uh, oh, yeah, good one. Dot go, com. go, 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 go. That is now a... Um, Orthorexia nervosa. That is now, we are orthorexics. <laughs> orthorexics. And proud of it. And proud of it. We need a t-shirt. T-shirt, guys. Yeah. Orthorexic and proud of it. This is great. Artists. Alert for Paul and, T. And it gets better. The The obsession about which foods are good and which are bad means orthorexics can end up malnourished. Oh, bull crap. <laughs> their dietary restrictions commonly cause sufferers to feel proud of their virtuous behavior. This is us, John. It's to us to the T. Well, yeah, but it probably also includes the Whole Foods people who probably are starving themselves yeah, because of the be. inability to digest brown rice. Dean, uh, Deanna Jade, founder of the National Center for Eating Disorders, said, There's a fine line between people who think they are taking care of themselves by manipulating their diet and those who have orthorexia. I see people, people around me have no idea they have this disorder. <laughs> People wanted us to talk about food more. <laughs> Here you go. I see it in my practice. I see it amongst my friends and colleagues. Modern society has lost its way with food. <laughs> this is just too good. Heaven forbid another French restaurant just opened. What are we going to do? <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have a couple of things on uh, under the Codex Alimentarius heading in the show notes. Uh, I'm sure you saw this. You probably blogged this. The European Union uh, now, as and this is part of the Codex, uh, is telling shopkeepers, uh, sorry, you can't sell eggs by the dozen. All food oh, yeah. must be you know, I don't know sold if we by did the blog kilo. Or not, but as soon as I saw it, I was bloggable. I just maybe didn't get to it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You can't sell eggs by the dozen. This is... This is what are they thinking with this? That now they're going to make you weigh each egg. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a ten cent item. Chickens go. crap them out all over the place. They're out there. They're in the yard. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's uh, it's going to be illegal. Illegal, I tell you. It's just funny. You know the fact that any public would put up with something like that is ridiculous. Well, it can't sell eggs by the dozen. I'm sure there will be big protests in Gitmo Nation There'll East no over protests. this. They'll just put up with it. <laughs> so um, anyway, back to Kagan. And it just makes the lines longer as they have to weigh the eggs. Oh, it does it. So there's a couple things that were going on at the same time, and I'm glad I switched around because yesterday the House essentially passed the what I am calling the Federal Reserve Empowerment Act. Um, this is the what uh, the president calls the uh, financial reform bill uh, and i've read this bill and i've posted yet another copy of and it's and it's weird now right because they have all these uh, different amendments and or amendments uh, changes and i watched the voting yesterday it was pretty amazing amazing i tell you where um the uh, the audit the fed portion of the bill would and so they wanted to send it back right they wanted to send it back to the uh, to the committee and so they had a vote and uh, to send it back, that failed 198 to 229. Uh, Ron Paul actually posted on his uh, Facebook this morning. He said, uh, well, a lot of Democrats who actually co-sponsored my bill voted against it when it really mattered. So he's going to post a list of the Democrats who uh, flip-flopped at the last moment. Wonder why. Yeah. Uh, do you think there was any pressure? And it, hmm. and it was amazing to watch. Uh, Barney Frank was freaking out. I did, I, you know, I've been pulling so many clips. I didn't have time. To, what was he to, freaking out about? Um, just he was so, he, you know, he got he was really excited because th- this is his big thing, right? It's the it's the Barney Frank's Chris Dodd bill, and uh, you know when they say okay, the uh, the the yeas have it or whatever, and then he goes, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, I wanna I wanna vote, I wanna vote, I wanna vote. Literally like that. It's like whoa, Barney, calm the f down, dude. And then, uh, you know, the, the minute it passes, then all of a sudden, and there's been hours, hours of debate, Pelosi's there all of a sudden. And then she's there to take all the credit. This is legendary. <laughs> this is great. No longer the Republicans screwed us. So now I like it's, your Pelosi. It's good. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, so now it goes, uh, I guess, so between ju- mid-July, they're going to debate it, and then the, the, it'll, it'll get passed. And this gives the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve oversight over the banks. I would like to remind people the Federal Reserve is not a governmental institution. It is a private collection of banks. So the banks get to oversee the banks. It's great. It's absolutely great. I think great. it's genius. It, <laughs> it's brill. And so, um, of course, uh, the president was uh, out yesterday. There was so much going on. Uh, and boy, he was lying. He was out. He was in Minnes- uh, Wisconsin, and uh, one of these town hall meetings, one of these bogus things. 
where uh, the, you know there's only uh, supporters of the president. There may be people standing behind these these people with tasers, for all I know. And um, I got I pulled a couple clips. The first one I thought because he in reference to the financial reform, it's like you know. And by the way, it's, he's still campaigning. It's the Republicans. You know, we inherited this, and it's all bad. And you know, we we got to fix it. And then he brings in um, a comparison to passing the health care bill, which I thought was just interesting the way he worded this. And, and let's face it, for, for some of us, just voters, the prospects of change are kind of scary. Even when we know the status quo isn't working for us. I mean, you remember all the fear-mongering that was going on uh, during the health care debate. Right, remember? remember? All of you were told, you know, you're going to lose your health care. By the way, when he does these town halls, this is what he's really good at. This is where the guy excels. You know, when he rolls up, he takes off his jacket, rolls up his shirt sleeves, and walks around. And takes Yeah, he's the, campaigning. That's all yes, he's good at. Take the, takes the prepared questions. He's really, really good at it. Very funny. Yeah, no, he's really good at it. Yeah, he's good. It's going to be socialized. Government's going to come in, and death panels is going to be set up. And we're, Remember that? And now we're about three, four months into it, and everybody's looking around. And... Yeah, wondering what nothing changed, and where's the money? Exactly, and, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. You know, first of all, a lot of this stuff isn't supposed to hit until 2014, so we're not going to feel the pain just yet. And all I'm seeing is increases in rates. Everyone's seeing their rates skyrocket. Yeah, Who yeah, needs nothing a death good panel? has happened, but yeah. he's, he's a good way. He's good. Yeah, that's what he does. He's like a, a propagandist. He should have been. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. So then he, um, and and this was kind of scary. And I want you to help me pick this apart. He here's his speech on why government is good and why you need government. Because without government, John, we would be nowhere. I just want you to know that up up front before we listen to our president uh, proselytize this. The economic policies they put in place turned a $237 billion surplus into a $1.3 trillion deficit. So It's kind of old news, isn't it? Yeah, but also it's not true because Clinton took away a lot of the regulations and, and, and that, that really started affecting everything in the years after that. Yeah, well, it's always been Clinton's fault, let's face it. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, when I, you know, there were a couple of signs when I came in and said, you know, do something about spending. Uh, I'm game to do something about spending, but let's just remember how we got into this fix. Oh, he's still campaigning. He's still saying it's uh, the Republicans. And I, yeah, hate, we, I hate both of them. Democrats yeah, I hate to tell you this, though. Uh, you know, it's the Democrats who have the House by a wide margin, and they have the Senate, and they have the presidency, and they're putting the, uh, the next uh, Supreme Court justice in. They just put one in. What are they, what's the Republicans got to do with anything? Well, stand by, because uh, government is good, and we really need it. Now, I've never believed the government has all the answers. That's not how America thinks. Government can't and should not replace businesses as the engines of growth and job creation in our economy. Government should live within its means. We should root out waste and abuse of taxpayer dollars wherever and whenever we can. Too much regulation can stifle competition and hurt businesses. 
But if you think about the history of this country, we've always recognized that there are times when only government has been able to do what individuals couldn't do and what corporations would not do. Okay, so are you ready for the list, John? Stuff that Well, I'll tell you one thing. It doesn't include fixing these potholes that are out here on Highway 80, and they go right onto the Oakland-San Francisco Bay Bridge. You drive up and down. It just like ruins your, your entire car. That's how we have railroads and highways and public schools and police forces. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who built the railways? <laughs> wasn't when that like some big private guys who like well, really it was pulled the Union the, Pacific and the uh, was Central Pacific and the Union Pacific uh, was it like quite, Morgan or, or Rockefeller yeah, Morgan and there's a bunch of yeah these 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 moguls yeah but wasn't that private money wasn't that private well it was in 1864 I would think uh, probably yeah I think a lot yeah I don't know I think they did, I think they scammed some government money in the deal but I don't notice that the government those were not nationalized railroads no exactly so when they, they were, were done they were privately run thank you it gets better that's how we've made possible scientific research that led to the medical breakthroughs and technological wonders that that's right Here. that all of us take for granted now that's right that's right apple Apple uh, has the government to thank for the iPhone, the technological marvel, and the medical breakthroughs. That's just not true. And I guess the Bell Labs that invented the transistor, which is responsible for everything that we're yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. government run. It's I, all I government. Think they had some government money. Thank you, government. Thank you. Well, Thank I think you. what he's saying is that the government sneaks money in. That maybe, maybe that's what he's maybe saying. Maybe I'm just misunderstanding. Okay. I think you're totally misunderstanding the man. <laughs> okay. That's why we have Social Security and a minimum wage. I don't have no Social Security. You've stolen that from me. What are you talking about? There'll be nothing. There will be nothing for me. And laws to protect the food we eat That's and the right. water we drink and the air we breathe. Yay! This is a stump speech. Yeah, total stump speech. But the one that got me is, uh, and coming from a service family background, this one just pissed me off. There was a woman uh, who stood up and she said, hey, you know, you know, we, we, we're, it's messed up. This, you know, our, our boys and girls who are overseas in war, they got no time. You know, they come back and they turn around, they got to go back again for another tour. You know, we got to do something about that, Mr. President. Uh, the first is making sure that uh, counseling, support, for our troops is there what? in theater as oh yeah oh yeah you know so we have record numbers of suicides so he was so instead of sending them back instead of illegally sending them back over and over and over again we they with the solution to this is counseling oh stand by well as when they get back home and there has been in the past this sort of stigma uh, around mental health issues <laughs> but you know what if you send somebody into a war zone that that's going to be a shock on the system. <laughs> what? No <laughs> shit. What? Oh, uh, it really? You think? You think? You know, sending See, some, he, a, shock a shock on the system. It's a shock on the system. You throw them off of a forty-story building. I'm guaranteeing it's going to be a shock on the system, <laughs> has, especially you know when they hit the bottom. Has this guy ever served? Has, does this guy know what it's like? No, but he's been in Chicago, so it gets rough. Yeah, it's close. Well. <sighs> They may engage in enormous heroism, enormous courage. I, you know, our troops do just spectacular things, but 
it's going to have an impact. Yeah, it, you know, it's going to suck a little bit. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> not going to be great. He's not, pretty. He's so cavalier. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And when they've been on two tours or three tours or four tour tours, four tours. He's just like, oh, three four tours, four five tours, tours or six hey, tours. Who gives a shit? Just send them over. Hey, they're, they're young. They're young. They do amazing, spectacular things. Sometimes that impact adds up. Yeah, and it, it could add up. You know, if you've yeah, been like for like five way. years, you've been in the desert, and you know, and you don't know what you're doing there. Sand and flies. You got boils and parasites in yeah, your body. IEDs and stuff. You know, and it's you don't know why you're there. You know, it could mess with your brain. You know, it's like it's normal. This is very normal. In the past, things like post-traumatic stress disorder weren't really talked about. Now we're starting to talk about it, and we've actually. Now listen to this. That's bull crap. We've been talking about this for the last 40 years. I know, I know. It's, but listen to what he says. What we're doing for veterans as well as active duty, this whole issue of uh, post-traumatic, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, P- uh, PTSD, we are really emphasizing this. Mm-hmm. And down, up and down the chain of command, we're saying people should not be embarrassed about seeking out counseling uh, in these. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I'm freaking out. Situation. So that's point number one. Oh, second good. point. Very good. Thank you. Second point you're making is there needs to be that rest in between deployments. Yeah, you, oh, you need some rest. A little bit uh, of yeah, rest. Hey, take a week off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have some hey, PTO. We got a ticket for you going back. Take a week. Take a yeah. week. Or, take a week. Do some shopping. Oh, no, he's he's he's. Little did we know, John. He's actually done something about this. <sighs> I didn't know. And that's part of the reason why we actually increased the number of Marines. Uh, the, the, the Army and Marines have really borne the biggest burden in terms of these very quick and rapid and stressful deployments. So part of the reason we sent over 30,000 more troops was so uh, some of them could get more rest. That's mm. bull crap. I don't believe that. I never heard that. No, it's new. That was for the surge. It was like to have more troops on the ground, not to give anyone any yeah, rest. Yeah, to get those, think that harvest finished. <laughs> and what we've been saying is let's start getting back to a point where uh, there is you know, ample time uh, between deployments. And uh, we are actually, for, for the Marines, I think we were just about there. For the Army, I think we've got another year oh, before another year. we get it to where we want to be. Although well, In another year, you're supposed to be drawing down troops, my friend. July. Remember July uh, 2011 is when you're supposed to bring people out. You can take that to the bank. Based it out a lot more than it was, for example, two years or three years ago. So I just found that cavalier and rude and insensitive and dumb. Well, it's like the Pete Stark clip that's going around the Internet. What's that? I don't know which one that is. Well, it's on the blog. Go to my blog. You'll see it. Just tell Uh, me. Yeah, Stark, who's a local here in California, she just basically had a little town hall meeting and started chewing out everybody. Oh, no, I did see that. Yeah, of course I've seen that. Yeah, I actually put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's... Uh... Guy's been, around, been in Congress for 37 years. He's on, he doesn't even... He represents Fremont, California. And he doesn't even... He lives in Maryland. He has a townhouse that he, you know, maintains some some little pied a terre so he can still maintain his Fremont, you know, uh, qualifications. But he lives in Maryland. He hasn't been. He never shows up. And then when he does show up, he just gets mad at everybody. So uh, I don't know. How do these guys keep getting reelected? I mean, the people of Fremont, Newark, and the vicinity should be ashamed of themselves for continually putting this jerk back in for 37 years. <laughs> So um, then I switch over to uh, 
the Robert Gibbs show. God, man, C-SPAN is so that, so amazing. That guy needs a, like a theme song. Um, you should have Jeff Smith uh, do a Robert Smith, uh, Robert uh, Robert, Robert Gibbs. Gibbs. Here comes themes. Robert. Here comes Robert. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful when you ask him for that because he actually does that kind of stuff. It's what you do, so you don't have to. Right, so on the Robert Gibbs show, um, a reporter in the audience, uh, and I didn't know this was happening right now, pipes up about the Blagojevich trial. This is uh, Mayor Rod Blagojevich, who uh, was a part of the Chicago cabal and was ousted for, I don't know, he did something wrong. He He's p- governor. He, governor, I'm sorry, why did I say mayor? Governor. Um, he pissed somebody off. And she asked a question which just blew me away because the whole thing is about the Senate seat and trading. Yeah, he want, I guess he wanted to go into the, uh, into the Obama administration. He got cut out. And he said, oh, what I'm holding the Senate seat. And uh, apparently that was supposed to be reserved for Valerie Jarrett, who was a special advisor to the president. Yeah, he slipped in the information that he should pick her. So he, he, it, Go ahead. Well, go ahead. You got the story. Well, yeah, here's, uh, so here's what the reporter asked. And she's reading it straight off of her BlackBerry so it's coming straight from the Chicago trial reportings, which, of course, are not televised. Tom Balanoff is a local labor, lead, labor leader in Chicago and in testimony today at the Lagoyajit's trial. He talks about a phone call that he got from Barack Obama on Monday evening before the Tuesday election, which uh, he quotes uh, Mr. Obama as saying that uh, he thinks Valerie Jarrett should be a United States senator, that she fits the criteria. I would prefer that she remain working for President Obama, but she does want to be senator. And Balanoff said he told the president, the soon-to-be president, I said, thank you. I'm going to reach out to Governor Blagojevich with that. So, so in case you couldn't hear it, because it's that crappy audio they have in the press room, um, this is all about telephone calls and tapes and what what the jury is allowed to hear and what you know, and a lot of these have been sealed by the judge. So apparently Obama did call and said, "Hey, you know, you got to get uh, Valerie." Well, Jarrett. He didn't call. He didn't call Blagojevich directly. He called a a uh, an associate, right? And he gave him the message, and but they won't let him play that. Because the uh, in fact, there's a bunch of stuff that they're not letting into the in, letting the jurors hear, which says to me that especially in a case like this, a corruption case like this, you really have to let everything play out. It says to me that the the judge and the whole system, of course, this is Chicago. They're railroading Blagojevich. Yes, and he's screwed. Yeah. So here's uh, back to the Robert Gibbs show. Did the president make that phone call? Uh, I, you're telling me about this testimony. I'm not going to get into uh, commenting on, uh, obviously, an ongoing uh, uh, an ongoing trial. Uh, and I, I have not had an opportunity but, to see but you've that. you said before that the president did not um, get involved with the, I, with the suggestions or the conversations. Yeah, with I, the and I'm just not going to get into commenting on an ongoing trial. Nah, shut up, slave. So he said, yeah, but you said before the president didn't make any calls, and now there's a guy testifying that he did. I'm not going to get into that. Shut up, slave. Next question. That's essentially what, what was said there. Yeah, well, and, and you expected what? I just wanted to point that out because no one's talking about it. It's just, yeah, they don't talk about anything. <laughs> and the president uh, had a, uh, a meeting. Meeting. About, uh, and, and this is what I've really uncovered, I think. Uh, I think I figured out this whole cap and trade, how they're renaming it or what they're using to, to kind of slide that under the mat. Um, the president had a meeting before a, another Senate committee, 
which was taking place in some small back room, which I have some clips from. And it's about the uh, carbon uh, tax and uh, what uh, in our dependence upon foreign oil. Another question from the Robert Gibbs show. What other approaches would he be open to specifically? Well, look, I don't want to narrow or or open up uh, our legislative bidding from up here. The president reiterated his position uh, that... uh, that putting a price on carbon, uh, he believes, is the right policy. I think science has shown why that's important. Oh! Science! science! The science is in! Just so you know, it's a fact. Uh, I do think that you uh, you had a you had a, a bipartisan group uh, of uh, of legislators here who understand the need to uh, move facts this legislation forward and get something done this year. And uh, I think the president was hopeful after that meeting uh, that we can find common ground on a lot of different subjects. And yeah. does he think the law, that the legislation can be passed this year? Yes. Yeah, it can yes. be passed this year. Yes. Right. So I, I go looking for this. And I find it. It's the CLEAR Act, John. The CLEAR Act, which has been around for like a couple years now. And uh, so, so I, it, it's on, you know, it's like this weird committee hearing with our new head of the uh, minerals uh, department. They renamed that to the, the ocean law something or other collection. Yeah, bullshit. they had to, have to keep renaming these things so they become moving targets. Apparently it hasn't even officially been renamed. So this guy is Bromowich. And I think it was a week ago that we that he was up on the hill being questioned. The guy has not left. He has not actually been to his agency because, and I, I got to play this, I, I, I snipped a whole bunch of things together and you'll hear that he keeps saying, well, I've only been on the job for eight days. I've only been on the job for eight days. I don't know. I've only been, I can't answer any question. I've only been on the job for eight days. But uh, a couple of these uh, representatives are not having any of it. And then it becomes very clear that this guy who's a lawyer, who has been a lawyer for the past 10 years in a huge firm, who has represented big oil clients, is only there to actually shepherd in great legislation for the oil companies. The guy knows nothing about energy other than how to fight in a court for oil companies. The CLEAR Act is what it's all about. And if you're interested, I can tell you a little bit about the CLEAR Act. Uh, But listen to this montage, which I put together, of him not knowing anything, only being on the job for eight days, instead of saying, hey, why am I doing, doing this bullshit not being able to answer your questions and go down and actually do some work in my agency, which I've just inherited. Uh, now, you know, I've only been on the job. I, I just got to be up here and I just got to stall. Everything else is taking place. Listen to the montage. I'll be very brief. Uh, I want to talk uh, about three concrete things that have been done in the, in the eight days that I have now been uh, on the job as the head of the agency. The short answer is I don't know. I know you've been there eight days, so whether or not... Not, not eight full days yet. Uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half days. All right. The answer is I don't know whether it's necessary. Uh, I don't know what the view is. Will you are. take a review of that as sure. we're looking at this and get back to us? Absolutely. Uh, I can't give you a detailed answer to that. I look forward Will to working with you. Will you get back to me on that as yes. well? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether, there are, whether there are reasons why it's not as good an idea as it sounds like to me, I don't know. 
on the Jones Act itself, why is it that the administration has not waived that act so that additional resources can be brought to bear on the problem? I don't know the answer to that. You, you may have lost your answer when Secretary Salazar left. I, I really don't know the answer to that. One of the disadvantages of being a freshman. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Bromwich, uh, you're the head of the Bureau of Ocean Energy. What experience do you have in ocean energy? I, I don't have any experience in ocean energy. Uh, I do have some experience in the energy sector. I represented a number of uh, energy clients uh, on non-ocean related matters uh, during my last 10 plus years of, of law practice. I also find it interesting that this bill that's supposed to be dealing with a national crisis in the Gulf of Mexico changes onshore lease sales to a sealed bid process, removing the ability to use live auction bids. Interestingly, you did away with the Royalty and Kind program, which used a sealed bid process, whereas onshore used a live auction, and now you're taking the bid process that was used in royalty and kind and applying it to the onshore in a bill that's supposed to deal with the national crisis in the Gulf of Mexico. Fascinating. Well, uh, again, my eighth day on the job, I haven't read the CLEAR Act. I don't know what the specific requirements are that are contemplated uh, in the CLEAR Act, so I really can't speak to the disconnect you're sensing. I'm, I'm happy to come back later on when I'm better informed on the uh, specific uh, provisions in the CLEAR Act, but I'm really not able to help you today. And, and just so you know, my inclination is to be as transparent as possible on almost everything. <laughs> it's very obvious to me. The CLEAR Act is how they're going to do it is how they're going to bring in carbon taxes. And uh, this guy is only brought in to make it happen. And it's really going to benefit only the largest, the absolute largest of all oil companies. He's a complete shill. And, you know, and, he, and all he's doing is just sitting up there on the hill. He's not, he's not managing anything. He hasn't gone down. It was fascinating testimony, two and a half hours. I mean, I, I could pull clips all day from it. Uh, but uh, do you want to, you want, there's a, so this Clear Act was, Introduced by Maria Cantwell, uh, who is, uh, what is she? <sighs> I don't know where she's from. Do you want to hear their little promo video from the CLEAR Act, what it's supposed to be? Yeah, I might as well. Okay, here we go. Carbon Limits and Energy for America's Renewal Act is what CLEAR stands for. The CLEAR Act is a bipartisan clean energy bill introduced last December by Senators Maria Cantwell of Washington and Susan Collins of Maine. Unlike lengthy legislation that can be complicated to understand, the CLEAR Act addresses climate change simply in just 39 pages. These 39 pages will jumpstart our clean energy economy by going directly to the source, fossil fuel producers. First, a limit is placed on all the carbon that these producers introduce into the economy. Then, they will need to bid at an auction for carbon shares, or yeah, permits, to continue to sell their product. As the number of carbon shares are gradually reduced, carbon dioxide emissions will steadily and consistently go down as well, How's reducing CO2 emissions over 80% by the year 2050. Impossible. This mandate to reduce... Are you, what, what are you moaning about? I'm just saying this is bullcrap. Well, this is the one. This is, this is what it's going to be. Carbon will create a predictable market yeah. signal for clean forms of energy. That's just a fancy way of saying that using clean energy will be incentivized for the American people. Uh -huh. This process will harness the power of the free market, not government, to find the least cost technology solutions and protect the energy market from volatile Wall Street style trading or even manipulation. Now, now pay attention because here comes the, the part that I don't really understand. 
The auction revenues, it's the 175, 50, 25% rule. I don't get it. Maybe you can help me understand. So what happens to all the auction revenues? Think of the Clear Act as a 175-25-0 policy. 100% of the permits to bring fossil fuels into the U.S. economy will be auctioned from day one. There are no windfalls for historic polluters. 75% of the auction revenue is returned directly to each American as equal monthly dividends. Every low- and middle-income family will come out ahead or break even as a result of the dividend covering their increased energy costs, no matter what state they live in. But what about the other 25% of the auction revenue? That 25% of the dividend is devoted to investments in clean energy, in jobs to build our clean energy economy, and in the agricultural and forestry communities to encourage environmentally friendly practices. So I, I guess... What okay, this- okay, here, here, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. So uh, for some reason, they're going to charge a tax or a so-called auction revenue. Yeah. Uh, On the energy companies. 10, 10 bucks. Right. For, or just say $100 a barrel. Per ton. Uh, to these guys. The $100 a barrel, the $100 will, be pa- will actually be passed on to the consumer, if you think about it, right? Yeah, well, exactly. So you'll be paying the 100 bucks, but the government's going to give you 75 bucks of that l- back, but <laughs> that means you're out $25 that you're supposed to be gaining in this deal, and you're losing 25 bucks because you're going to have it all handed back to you anyway. This is bull. This is just a, to talk about a shell game. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's like a pyramid. It's, it's like no, it's like the guy was on the tail with the two three walnut shells and his little pea roaring back and forth. This is crap. So the way I so it's the just way- a tax and others they they why you know here's the problem. I was going to rent a car. I'm going to go up to Washington. Yeah, and I'm looking at it. it's going to cost me 180 bucks for a week. That's cheap. Yeah, it is cheap. But that but it doesn't end there. Oh, <laughs> doesn't funny end. you notice. <laughs> yeah. So the total price is three hundred dollars. Yeah, it's because of so all the taxes. All this is like a daily fee. I have to pay a fee for having the car on the road instead of in the lot where it makes no money. There's a there's a tax on the on the rental, and then there's another tax called a rental tax on top of the sales tax. And there's one thing after another, and it's almost the entire cost that they quote you is like it's almost doubled because of all these hidden ta- and these are taxes by the way. These are all taxes. We're taxed. You go to the airport. You take a plane ride someplace, you're taxed. You're taxed at the airport. There's an airport fee. There's a this fee. There's a that fee. These are called fees, but they're actually taxes because they go into some they go into some government coffer someplace. They're not going into the pockets of the guys you know that are running the airlines, that's for sure. And it's not, it's coming right out of my pocket. And this is what's going on. They're just trying, you know, they can't tax us anymore because, you know, we used to brag about, oh, we're one of the lowest taxed countries in the world. It's bull. But they always, oh, we're so low tax. We don't even look. The highest anyone pays is 35%. And uh, all that kind of thing. Yeah, right. We're paying about 70% because every time we turn around, we're taxed on something else. We're taxed for our food. We're taxed for milk. We're taxed for, and then the, the dairies are taxed for, you know, spilling milk. I mean, the whole thing is, it's just we're taxed to death. And so they have to make, get more taxes. And what are they doing with this money? They can't even fix the potholes out here. <laughs> They're up and down the freeway. Do the potholes thing again, man. I'm telling you, if you're in the slow lane, you might as well just get a new car by the time you drive three miles. John C. DeVorex. That's been your pet peeve of the month. <laughs> it's going to stick him with it until they fix these potholes. They're all over the place. I wanted, here's a challenge for anybody out there in the, living in the, or coming through the San Francisco Bay Area. Come off, if you're heading on East Highway 80, uh, so from San Francisco <laughs> or from the South Bay or any place else, get off. You have to be heading east, by the way, to get the full effect. 
Get off on Emeryville, the Emeryville exit, and then just head to the Trader Joe's that's over there. You will hit a patch of road you'd swear <laughs> was in Mexico someplace. It might as well be a dirt road. I'm going to make a movie of this. This is so bad. <laughs> it's unbelievable. This road is just like it's a mess. So anyway... Um, I believe we need to keep our eye on the clear act. This is the cap and trade, and this Bromowicz jabroni has been brought in to shepherd it through. He's a lawyer. He doesn't know anything about yeah, the business of oil. He never will. He'll just be in it long enough to get this thing passed. That's right. He's just a lawyer. And you look at him, and he has this smug look on his face. It's just... Eh. So what was pretty um, cool is uh, President Clinton was on a uh, CNN Fortune Time magazine panel. And uh, he was asked about, uh, you know, all this uh, anti-Obama, you know, the Obama hate, uh, even the people who uh, voted for him are now pissed off that he's not doing anything. And you know, Clinton's kind of defending him, saying, oh, you know, the guy can't win either way. You know, it's uh, people hate you when their own lives are no good. And then he... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And then it. Uh, I actually I clipped that part out because it was, the other stuff was just too mint. We'll have to stop a couple times in this clip. Um, he has the solution for the well, but then uh, and it's too bad that, you know you're not seeing the video when he talks about this uh, this gusher in the Gulf. His eyes light up, man. It's just it's freaky to see how how pleased he is with uh, with the amount of oil that's coming out. But, of course, he has uh, all the solutions, and he knows exactly how he would do it if he were still president. I'm sorry. Before we play yeah. that clip, let me mention something that was kind of interesting this week Okay, that involved Clinton. So we have this situation where Clinton apparently has endorsed a couple of candidates around the country that are in direct conflict with Obama's endorsements. Mm, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And it's a big deal. So the next thing you know, you see a picture of Clinton apparently meeting with, uh, in Russia with... Um, Medvedev? No, no, the Putin? other guy, the, the, the boss. Putin? Putin. Yeah. And so he's meeting with Putin as Medvedev, of course, is, uh, Medvedev is floating around the U.S. and I guess he took off. And then while, pretty much while Clinton was sitting down with Putin, not quite, but, you know, they showed it that way in all the news shows, uh... They break up this huge spiring spy ring with Clinton sitting there in Moscow, yeah, <laughs> having to deal with this. And so uh, I'm thinking that you know, and of course, ever well, we have no way of knowing what the FBI or anybody's doing. It's just a coincidence that uh, you know we have all these situations happening when they happen because there's there's a there's a Chinese wall between the you know the government can't be involved as if nobody's tipped anybody off or told them to do this or that the whole thing just stinks. The uh, let me tell you one thing I have on uh, good authority. Every country has spies in other countries, and there's two types of spies: the registered spies and the unregistered spies. It's I know it sounds crazy. But we know which Russian operatives, which are registered, are in the United States. And I believe that this was probably one of those rings. Of, well, they uh, said they were unregistered. They made a big point of that. Mm. And, the, and, of course, the fact of the matter is they didn't have to do anything because these people weren't doing anything. There was no espionage charges. And they could have kept an eye on them as long, you know, knowing that they, what they know, it's easier to follow them around and see what's going on. You can kind of put together networks and figure things out that, so you would normally not bust them. So, meanwhile, they busted them just because Clinton was over there to embarrass <laughs> the guy. They're really, they really are getting – there's a battle going on between Clinton and Obama. Interesting. Interesting. 
interesting. Okay, I like that take. They have they they, they did pull an extra little benefit out of it. Uh, Wired magazine, of course, which uh, I'm quite suspicious of them and the stuff the articles they post uh now they're saying that this alleged spy ring was uh posting all their secret messages encoded on uh, public websites in images and you have to you know overlay a different type of filter in photoshop and then you get maps of airports and all kinds of stuff that's bull crap i mean they're talking about steganography actually which is a type of encryption right. but you can just go uh, run P- pgp and get in a chat room and, and tell anybody anything you want nowadays this is bull nobody's doing drop boxes and all the rest of it no they're just using it to you know push the agenda of uh, a licensed internet is the way i felt it was going oh i think it was just to make it seem more spy like Mm. a lot of information though uh well now that you're on that i might as i might as well play this clip from uh, cnn before i get to clinton because i was just like wow cnn knows everything about this Uh, hold on a second it's slow to load for some reason New arrest in Russian deep cover case. Here you go. This is uh, pretty astounding. Come on, CNN. Hurry up. And don't give me a pre-roll or I'll kick your ass. <sighs> it comes to pre-roll. No. No, 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 no. But CNN is slow. I today. saw a great pre-roll the other day. This Somebody is about says, encrypted oh, yeah. computer messages, drop points, and secret meetings. The 11 people accused of being spies are described as Russian intelligence operatives whose goal was to recruit people in the U.S. government or people with access to policymaking, according to the criminal complaint. One- They're like a lobbyist firm. There's nothing new about that. An intercepted message makes clear the men and women, some of them using the names of dead people, were given bank accounts, cars and houses and were expected to send back intelligence reports. Among the alleged spies, a longtime columnist for Spanish language newspaper El Diario and her husband both arrested their Yonkers, New York. And Yonkers, New York. Let me tell you, when you live in New York, the big joke is no one lives in Yonkers. <laughs> now we yeah, know. well, it's a hotbed of spy activity. Apparently. Home searched Monday. According to the complaint, the spies set up secret ad hoc computer networks and transferred information between computers at specific Woo! designated times. In one case, an alleged spy set up her computer to send encrypted data at a coffee shop near Times Square. Woo! An official with ties to Time the Russian Square. mission to the U.N. was in the area at that same time, apparently receiving the coded information. In Washington, D.C., a U.S. undercover agent posing as a Russian met with another alleged spy in a local park. The undercover agent <laughs> gave the accused spy, Mikhail Semenko, $5,000 to leave at a secret drop point under a bridge in Arlington, Virginia, which he <laughs> did. How does she know all this? Yeah. This is bullcrap. I hope that our listeners were laughing out loud they as these be. stories are being unfolded. Yeah, this it's just crazy. I think you're right. I think it is uh, to embarrass Clinton. It was probably Clinton's spy ring he knew about. <laughs> Maybe. All right. So let's let's listen to Bill for a second. I, I think the federal government's position ought to be very straightforward. The most important thing is to fix the leak. If anybody can help us fix the leak, I'm for it. <laughs> Hey, anyone having ideas of how to fix the leak? Second most important thing is to keep the oil away from the shores. The third most important thing is to f- minimize the damage of the oil that reaches the shores. The fourth most important thing today is to figure out who did what wrong and hold them accountable, whether it was somebody in British Petroleum or somebody in the U.S. government. So, the, so it's exactly the opposite now. 
This is exactly the opposite of what's happening because we got Bromowicz up there and everyone's saying, how did it happen? How did it happen? How did it happen? How did it happen? We've done nothing but how did it happen? How did it happen? Nothing to fix it. And I'll do that, but let's do one, two, and three first. All right. And then... Yep. By the way, his mouth is like... It's really, like, sticky. It's kind of icky. He doesn't no, look you, good. He's got... He's got you really? It doesn't, doesn't look it's good. It's always a sign of heroin users. <laughs> no, really. Sarah, if you find somebody, you know, you see somebody talking, they constantly have... Uh, white white strings in their mouth? White strings. Oh, that's disgusting. That's a heroin... Uh, that's a heroin uh, junkie. Oh, thank, thank Clinton, you. Clinton, you never know. Well, you never know. Yeah. Yes, he should show empathy, and yes, he should feel their pain and all that, but what people want is to fix the leak. So that one of the best things that they've done is to deploy massive naval and Coast Guard resources and finally start taking help from other countries. Which is not true, because we just heard that in the Bromowicz uh, discussion, that the Jones Act is still enacted and uh, foreign help is not yeah, being no, allowed. This is, this is Clinton giving the needle to Obama. Exactly. But unless we send the Navy down deep... To blow up the well. <laughs> blow up the well! Here we go. This is what the Russians did when it happened to them. And cover the leak with piles and piles and piles of rock and debris, which may become necessary. And you don't have to use a nuclear weapon, by the way. I've seen all that stuff. Yeah, hey, I don't need no nukes. <laughs> That's just stupid. <laughs> I got TNT in my back pocket that can do that. Just blow it up. Unless blow we're going to do that, we are dependent on the technical expertise of these people from BP. They had 11 of their folks killed on that explosion. The people that are working on this, whatever the managers did wrong or didn't, they're good people. They're trying to do the right thing. So I think we ought to just row in the same boat for a while so we plug the leak, keep the stuff away from the shore, minimize the damage of what's on the shore. There are 20,000 Vietnamese immigrants who came to this country who are making a living off the shrimping business, all of whom are thinking about their family facing bankruptcy now. Let's just fix the problem. And then is, we... What? No, I'm just saying. I mean, I think we've heard enough of well, this. No, but no, yeah, I want you, it's coming up. I want you to hear about him talking about the well. It's necessary. He's, he's definitely giving it to Obama in this talk. Well, but he's also completely uh, vested in BP and, and the success of the, of, of the oil company. You'll hear. You'll hear. Listen Can to this. Hold everybody accountable and emote or not emote or whatever. But I think the president's gotten a bum rap on this uh, emoting deal. I think that deal. you got to be who you are. you got to be who you feel comfortable with. And whatever your personality is, it is. <laughs> It's funny, right? It's like, it, yeah, it's a good if one. you're a douche, you're a douche. But I don't find him lacking in empathy just because he doesn't blow his top at the slightest provocation. I think it's a bum rap. Uh, just one clarification. Are you concerned that those two relief wells that they're drilling right it's now? It's Wolf, Wolf Blitzer. Now, listen, now, now his eyes light up on this one. I was supposed to be ready in August and stop this leak might not work. Yeah, at some point, I think we'll have to ask ourselves... I just am not into this, you know. I've not been part of the decision-making process, so I'm not second-guessing anybody. I'm just telling you, it's a, this is a geological monster. And I'll tell you one thing, whoever did the siding for BP knew what the heck they were doing. It's one heck of an oil well. There's more oil down there than I ever dreamed. Yeah. And it can't wait to find its way into your car because yeah. it just keeps gushing up, you know. Yeah, it keeps it, gushing up, Billy Boy. Love it, love it, love it, love it. He's so wow. in. He's so in on this, and his eyes are like, "It's a gusher. It's a gusher. It can't wait to get in your car. 
It's because they hit the mother load, man. Abiogenic yeah, well, oil. That guy obviously has something to do with it anyway. Yeah. So he's still giving it to Obama, and you know, in, a, in an offhanded way. No, the guys, you know, they, they just a bum rap that he's got no personality. <laughs> he can't help it. <laughs> can't help it. It's just the way he is. If somebody's like a dud, that's the way they go. That's what happens, dude. That's what happens. He blow up all the time. He's just the way he is. He's, he's you know. Let's uh, take a moment here. Uh, I think I certainly feel like I've done some work. And I'd like to thank people uh, who help support us uh, for this program uh, because we are completely listener supported. We are not, not interrupted by any ads. Uh, no uh, GE, BP, Chevron, Exxon, uh, Boeing, Monsanto, anyone underwriting this show like our national treasures, the NPR and the, the PBS. Yes. The what? Archer Midlands McDaniels. Yeah, yeah Archer Midland. Archer, was it ADM? Archer, right? Dan- Daniel we can't remember. ADM. Archer Daniel, yeah. whatever. Who sponsor uh, our national treasures yeah. with, with significant funding, as is yeah, how they yeah, say millions. it. Significant funding. If we get a few hundred bucks, they get millions because they sell out. And uh, so... Uh, so let's thank a few people. There you go. Okay, we got uh, uh, the letter here from Johan from Hilversum, mm-hmm. Netherlands. Get my hundred dollars. He sent us and said, "Dear John and Adam, thank you for the great shows, and thank you for helping people with by opening their eyes. The world uh, needs that, that. I think this is my first donation. You guys deserve a lot more than this, but this is all I can donate for now. I hope it's enough for a D douche. Oh, I think it definitely is. You've been D douched. So he's been D douched. That's a good thing. Tom Bushley, uh, Saint Paul, the Twin Cities." Minnesota, 50 double nickels on the dime. Alan uh, Warner, uh, Fergus, Ontario, Canada, double nickels on the dime. Please send some karma to the Toronto Maple Leaves as the team will be the longest longest Stanley Cup drought. This could use a little more than me. Uh, Dude, just like everything else that's fixed. What are you talking about, karma? Yeah, you guys got to cough up more money to to bribe the officials. Gareth uh, (laughs) Kusinkas. 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 I think it's Kusinkas. In Southington, Connecticut. Double nickels on the dime. C.G. Mayer, Mount Gambier, South Austin. He's, I think, $50.05. I thought it was last week. Christopher Anderson, Lancaster, uh, California. And uh, that should, uh, I think that's it. Well, then, of course, we have our... uh, Regular uh, subscribers for thirty dollars, the lucky thirty dollars a month subscription, and the five dollars a month. These and it's a nice list. That's that's growing quite nicely. I haven't seen a chart. Eric uh, should give us a chart. I'd like to see how um, how it's going. Uh, but that's the stuff that eventually, long term, will sustain us. And uh, of course, uh, my weekly check in, uh, John. You are of course uh, almost ready with the no agenda night rings. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm getting there. And I want to mention one more thing. Uh, somebody, uh, I can't, we forget to occasionally mention that people do this for us. Uh, it's not a lot of money usually, but it's always, uh, I think there's something symbolic about it and fun. Uh, Ernest uh, ben, Benoit in Rutland, Massachusetts, emptied his PayPal account. Uh, I, you know, if you have a little, a little extra money in your PayPal account, uh, you just things languishing there. Just send it to us and close it. <laughs> Get rid of it. Close it. <laughs> I got something here. It's your birthday, birthday. On no agenda. 
one of the producers who was uh, pretty much in the chat room uh, 24-7, always working on stuff, maintains the noagendareport.com website. Mr. Oil celebrates his birthday, and uh, John and I wish him uh, many happy returns. So it's also Victoria Ricano's birthday, I believe. Oh, really? She's coming to the party next week, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah. Are you coming? I don't know. I haven't, I've been looking at the oh, airfares. Mickey will be so disappointed. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, could you uh, unsheath here for a second, John? Here it comes. No, no, yeah. I, I didn't hear you. Oh, there, there it, it is. Okay. I was yes. stuck. After uh, Eric DeShill carefully counted up all of the uh, donations, it turns out that John Smith has donated sufficient funds to become a Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. $1,000 or more gets you into this exclusive club. So, John Smith, please step forward and uh, let me get the big the big one here for a second. <laughs> Kneel before us, John Smith, as we now proudly knight the Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please enjoy all the benefits. Your ring will be in the mail soon. Yes, we want to thank him for uh, joining the club. It's a very small uh, but uh, important group of people. All right. And if you uh, want to uh, support the show, again, completely listener-supported, it's uh, Dvorak.org slash N-A or ChannelDvorak.com slash N-A. And uh, you can also uh, do the $333.33 option times three. We kick in the extra penny, and, uh, and you become a knight as well. Please big support spenders. us. Yeah. Well, please support us because um, we need it to pay we bills. We need it, and we think we're doing a public service in some way, shape, or form uh, by revealing some kind of background information on, this, on, on trends that are affecting you in your day-to-day life, Dvorak.org slash N-A. Remember that. So I We, want, may, we uh, may actually get some ink next week, I understand. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but it's going to be mostly for you and your, uh, your cool little app. Well, but there's... Uh, as long as we get a plug-in, I'm, I'm a happy camper. Okay, cool. So let's look at something that we got an email from somebody, and I started, this has kind of screwed me up because it came in late, and I'm not, it's going to be like a two-parter. I'm going to have to go look into this deeper. But uh, there's this operation, you can look at, look at it, called Fenton Communications. They are a... Uh, uh, they're kind of they're, they're the left wing equivalent. Their Vigory does this for the right, but these people are, are they they are a big PR agency, huge actually, the biggest that are always involved in public policy issues. Are they bigger been, than Hill and Knowlton? Well, for for this sort for left wing uh, specific targeted left wing uh, initiatives, they're the biggest in the in the world in terms of you know doing stuff for big governments. Uh, they're small potatoes compared to Hill and Knowlton, but right now they're apparently working for Qatar uh, as part of a disinformation campaign to uh, defame Israel. Oh. And this is kind of typical of, you know, what we heard from Melanie Phillips in the, a couple of shows ago where she says all these left-wing groups have a lot in common with the Islamists is that they all hate the Jews. And, and of course, we got a bunch of mail about this. And so let me read to you from... Uh, from uh, a blog called FresnoZionism.org. And so after I read this for the first, I said, well, you know, this is undocumented. But a lot of this is documented. There is actually some paperwork uh, showing uh, that they've signed up to be a foreign agent on behalf of a website uh, that you can look at called uh, Fahora, 
org, which is in Qatar and it's run by the second wife. They said it's because the wife of the of the of the ruler, but he's, she's actually the second of three wives. She's the middle one, and it's f a k h o o r a dot org, and and this is presumably a. a, a an operation that is supposed to be involved with giving kids uh, scholarships, and it seems that most of the scholarships are to, are to study Islamic law. But if you really look at the website, the homepage, and, and anything in there, it's really about slamming Israel over the situation with the Turkish ships. And and by the way, I think that when uh, when you say Jews in this case, are we not speaking of? Zionists and Zionism? No, we're talking about Israelis, okay. essentially. Okay. The Jewish state. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're, because this PR agency actually represents a Jewish organization which is involved with women's rights, even though they got nothing to do with anything in the Middle East. So let me just read a couple of notes here. Fenton Communications, uh, uh, apparently... Uh, this is in the, from the blog I read. Today, their goal is to prevent the Jewish state, they're talking about this PR company, from defending itself by creating a massive public opinion that sees its self-defense as war crimes uh, and to prevent the Jewish state from defending itself so that its enemies can finally succeed in doing what they've been trying to do since Israel was born, destroy it. Uh, these guys have been, uh, they're, they're allied with moveon.org and uh, Greenpeace, Ben and Jerry's, uh, B- Melissa Gates, uh, Bill and Melissa Gates Foundation. Mm. Uh, and here, here's a clip they took from another website. It says Fenton Communications, which has its offices in Washington, D.C., New York, and San Francisco, signed two contracts last year with Qatar to develop a communications action plan for an 18-month campaign aimed at delegitimizing Israel and generating international support for the Hamas-run Gaza Strip. Uh, there's documents from the, uh, they have attached, and these could be forged, but I don't think so, uh, with the Justice Department uh, documents showing that they're now uh, signed uh, as foreign uh, agents. Contract worth $390,000, more than we make, <laughs> uh, with the Office of Her Highness, names too long to mention, the wife of the Qatari ruler. Uh, separate foundation, she chairs it, the whole thing. So I started looking into it. Uh, and in fact, this 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 public relations operation, Fenton, is definitely worth kind of checking out uh, for who they represent. They don't list everybody, but it seems as though it's pretty much a mostly left-wing operation. And you, and you start looking into it, and the funny thing is, uh, you start finding the names of people associated with associated sites that, that feed them news stories. You find you see the same names cropping up over and over. And the, the one of my favorite ones is running into this woman, Phyllis Bennis, who is a uh, Who's a uh, at the Institute for Policy Studies, which which is a an operation uh, that is kind of a front for something, but they produce this newsletter, online news thing called the FPIF, the Foreign <coughs> Policy Something Foundation, or news. I'll, I'll you go to FPIF dot org, I think, and find it. Anyway, she's a uh, a fellow there, and she seems to crop up anytime Fenton does any kind of publicity for anybody in ver- in various regular news articles by being quoted profusely. And my favorite example, and then I dig into this, and I find that this is kind of interesting. She showed up in 2005 in a Salon magazine article about Cindy Sheehan, and when you do a little research, you find out that Fenton Communications did a pro 
Bono, representation of Sheehan. They're the ones who brought her to the fore. Hmm. And you can you can take clips from anything about Sheehan, and you can take and put those in Google, and you find article after article after article of pretty much you know, cookie cutter stories about Sheehan. And you'll also notice if you, if you look in the, since Obama's got in, they, they drop Sheehan because they don't need, you know, it's Obama's war now. And so she's done. <laughs> so I get the biggest kick out of following this stuff. So can I, uh, can I just give you from their website, Fenton's track record? We are the firm that helped galvanize public opposition to end apartheid legitimize global warming as an urgent threat to our future. They're taking credit for this. Compel government bans and restrictions on toxins such as uh, bisphenol A and artificial growth hormones in everyday consumer products. Prevent hard liquor advertising from airing on network TV. Establish the National Amber Alert. And create a system at the Centers for Disease Control that tracks data on violent deaths to prevent homicides and suicides. So that's their track record. Yeah, that's only the the that's just the tip of their track record iceberg. Uh, I mean, they have done a lot of stuff that goes under the radar. A lot of pro bono work for uh, liberal operations, and uh, they also represent. They have a client list that it's they unbelievable. show. Unbelievable! Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's huge. Which has got pretty much every left leaning uh, operation in the country, and. Uh, it's actually kind of frightening, but the fact that they've now decided to take on Israel, which I think is is disingenuous, uh, to say the least, and it's also probably, uh, I, don't, I mean, I'm, I mean, they had to sign up as a foreign agent to do this because it's against the U.S. interests, generally speaking, and you know, so that's why they had to do all this, go through this rigmarole. I think it's really. Uh, I'll, I'll look into this operation a little more. I'm sure there's more interesting connections in the past because you, with Google now you can do some date limited stuff and you can they'll crop up, especially if you know who the players are. Uh, in other words, you see these same writers and these same contacts and these same combinations of why is why is this one person being quoted all the time in regards to this one topic, uh, and you see the people sneak into the public domain like the Cindy Sheehan's of the world because you know they're being promoted. Uh, it, it's it's a, it's it's probably uh, it needs looking into. Let's put it that way. So, but anyway, the, re the reason I got triggered by all this is because we got the guy who complained about the uh, the uh, Melanie Phillips piece that we ran at the end of a show a couple of weeks ago, or about a week ago, I guess. Uh, we had he basically gave us the laundry list of the, all the bad things about Israel and the Jewish state that was essentially the checklist from Fenton. Oh, really? So you think that a Fenton operative is... No, I don't think so. I think he was... Well, that's always a possibility. Uh -huh. It's always a possibility, but it could be either an operative because the checklist is there, but or it could be just somebody who's been completely... Uh, indoctrinated. Stoo stooged out, indoctrinate, indoctrinated already, and this is only the beginning because this campaign is, is, is just fairly new. Okay. In conclusion... Well, in conclusion, I think that we're going to have to start looking a little more. I think we're getting a little lazy about following the public relations that's behind almost everything we're starting to witness on the mainstream media to the point where, I mean, we aren't getting any news. I mean, even back as far as 2005, if you can look up the Salon Magazine article on Cindy Sheehan, you can do it by... 
I mean, the writers, I looked at the, up the writers, see if you had any consistent, you know, a lot of times you'll run, especially with The Guardian, you'll find the writers are just right, you know, basic uh, doctrinaire, left-wing oh, yeah. material. Oh, yeah. uh, but this guy is just all over the place, so I don't think so. But he was obviously fed a lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff from the PR agency because it makes life so much easier because you get, you know, oh, let me hook yeah, you up oh, with yeah. someone so they'll tell yeah. you about this. Yeah, here you go. And well, so you basically handed a story in a silver platter and you have no way to get out of the the, the way it's being presented and this is what's going on. And, and, and I, you know, resent people, right, uh, telling us that, you know, we're stooges for one thing or another when we're very aware of this mechanism and we uncover it constantly. And, uh, I would say that you should really check your own uh, sources. Why are you thinking the way you're thinking? And in fact, uh, although it's just kind of funny, we know that Hill and Knowlton is uh, the agency for the High Speed Rail Association of America, and uh, it seems like they've done quite a good job this week. All aboard! Trains good, planes bad. A number of outstanding stories they've placed. Maggots in luggage locker delay U.S. flight in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of this. The uh, My favorite, which uh, showed up in USA Today and a couple other uh, big, big mainstream publications, airline food kitchens have rodent problem. And, uh, in fact, uh, you can almost hear this CBS News report. Um, you can almost hear that it's a setup by... The uh, by Hill and Knowlton, it's a pre-packaged deal. Now, apparently, the FDA uh, did an investigation six months ago, and I went to the FDA site. I went to FoodSafety.com. Could not find said report. That they went to Sky Chef and a couple other of these huge uh, outfits that do the catering for airlines, and they found rats and uh, and and all kinds of safety violations and hazards. And there's a CBS. This is. Um, this is network news. Uh, they put together this package, and it really, I mean, if this isn't pre-produced, I don't know what is, particularly the woman they interview um, from Sky Chef. You know, she's like some poor woman, some poor Hispanic woman who's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't talk about that. Literally what, how she's talking. It's like, you know, they didn't go to, like, the, uh, the press department, apparently. Just listen to, uh, to how planes are being... Uh, once again, marginalized uh, so that uh, trains can uh, be put in. And, and then we'll uh, give you Chris Matthews to finish that out. Uh, here we go. CBS News. What if I- oh, guess what? I checked five times on this site and there was no pre-roll. <laughs> now all of a sudden I get a freaking pre-roll. Sorry about that. Um, so a couple other reports while waiting for the pre-roll to finish. Uh, body scanners. So when you think uh, airline safety, you probably think about maintenance and mechanical issues that could put you at risk. But what if we told you it is the food served at 30,000 feet that you really should be worrying about? CBS 2's consumer reporter Kirsten Cole has the filthy findings. Filthy findings. More than half a billion meals a year are made by some of the largest airline food kitchens in the U.S. And a recent analysis by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration found that food preparation in some of these kitchens is a recipe for disaster. Violations in include roaches, mice, unsanitary conditions, and no place for employees to wash hands. Volume always leads to problems. Obviously, there's not a lot of accountability. Food prep in all three New York area airports were cited for violations, including LSG Sky Chef for food that was subject to contamination, employees not washing hands thoroughly, touching food surfaces with bare hands, and failure to clean and sanitize to protect food from contamination. We went to their LaGuardia Airport facility to try to speak to someone in charge. 
with these findings by the FDA of uncleanliness and possible contamination of food. I cannot say anything. A spokesperson for LSG Sky Chef says they make 405 million meals a year and that we have comprehensive and multi-layered quality control standards in place to ensure our customers receive safe, healthy, and high-quality food. And those systems are checked and confirmed through a series of approximately 400 audits a year. I would say uh, right now the FDA is woefully inadequate in most aspects of our food protection. At another food service company, Gate Gourmet, the FDA found it failed to keep food at safe temperatures, failed to keep equipment clean, that there was no hot water for hand washing in the restroom, and that there was black residue in the kitchens and on the ice machine. The makers of 50 Million Meals said their inspections are taken very seriously and assist us in further improving our service. At issue, according to food safety experts, is a lack of oversight when it comes to cleaning and food preparation, leading to oftentimes dangerous conditions for diners. And Flying Food, which has facilities in Newark, JFK, and across the U.S., has been cited for failure to test for dangerous microbes, not taking precautions for contamination, lack of proper hand-washing facilities, and lack of adequate drainage, which may provide a breeding place for pests. They stated, we now service our JFK customers from a brand new 32 million dollars state-of-the-art airline catering facility that raises the bar on quality cleanliness and efficiency in airline catering worldwide but these reports will no doubt give many flyers food for thought at laguardia airport kirsten cole cbs two news so um, oh, hold on a second yeah. was this like a half hour special i'm telling you the idea of a sound bite there's no way that wcbs tv in new york put this package together there's just no way there's just no way this, this was pre-produced. They knew what they were getting. I've never seen this woman. And I can't find the report. If anyone can find the, this report from six months ago, apparently, on the FDA website, send it to me, please. I, 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 I don't get it. I can't find the report. So, you, know what's, you know what gets me about this? It's so obvious what's going on here. I mean, we've, we've been harping on this. This is one of our topics du jour that we, 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 have, a, we have a jingle. Yes, uh, that, that's how much we've been harping on it. We that's got a how much we've been harping on it. The question is, is that what is wrong with the airlines that they can't counter this? This is just eating right into their into their pocketbook. I mean, although there's not really an alternative for most, you know, travel. I mean, just like you can talk a big game, but nobody's taking the train. Let's face it. Even if they put a high speed rail and nobody's taking the train. It's just not going to happen. So it's not like they're losing their their asses. But you think that they would do something to protect their image because if some weird thing happens and you end up with some court case, that nobody's going to be, you know, that all this comes out and says, "Aren't you guys careless?" Uh, I mean, I don't understand why they let the, this situation got out of control like this there's not one i haven't seen anything to counter any of this stuff is there is there actually a uh, well we'd have to find out who the pr agency is and never hire them because well, the there's air- no pr <laughs> agency i think they all doing their own thing i think they each reach that's probably it that's- i think united's got its own pr agency and they're just you know like every other pr agency nowadays doing nothing by the way uh sitting around you know oh, yeah well you know we can't do it by ourselves so we're not going to do anything i'm not going to take any calls well, they're broke they're broke, too. Yeah, and they're broke. So here's, right. uh, here's Chris Matthews, who uh, clearly got the message and the memo from uh, Hill and Knowlton on his uh, hardball with Chris Matthews. 
Let me finish tonight with the pathetic state of the economy and one big thing we can do about it. Today we learned the consumer confidence number fell nearly 10 points since last month. It's not hard to figure why. The unemployment number for May showed a dismal growth of just 41,000 in American civilian jobs and people got the word. All this, the bad June unemployment number expected Friday, the bad consumer confidence number, the drop in the Dow today, all working together and we're looking at the plausibility of that second dip we've been warned about. I hear this all has the folks in the White House looking past a big defeat in November to what they can do going into 2012. It's a brutal conundrum. Countries in Europe just made clear at the G20 that they're in no mood to boost spending to create markets for American goods. They're tightening their belts, trying their best not to be accused of doing what Greece did. What's the answer, behind Chris? Their means. What do we do? But we've got everybody in the world cutting back. And what's that to do with the prospect of economic expansion here at home? Well, it kills it. If you're looking for good news, I have one suggestion. Stop listening to Europe. Stop listening to the conservatives. Do what has worked in the past. What got us out of the Great Depression was production. Massive industrial production to support the Allied cause in World War II. We need production for this country now. We need to build rapid rail to catch up to those allies from World War II. France already has the Tejave. China is building its rapid rail system. It's time we join the movement. We need to go back to the future, become a country that builds things again. It'll create jobs. It'll catch us up to the rest of the world. It'll cut our reliance on oil. It'll give us hope we can believe in. Look, Lincoln built the Continental Railroads even in the middle of the Civil War. Ike built the interstate highway system in the supposedly do-nothing 50s. President Obama, just do it. Just do it. Rail, high-speed rail. It's going to save us. How is this looking to the future? Don't you think that <laughs> supersonic transports like, you know, jets that do 1,500 miles an hour is a little more futuristic than putting a train line in? No, we need to go back to the future. You heard the man. Back to the future. Yeah, that was terrible. Airport body scanners could give you cancer. Yeah, like we didn't know that. Good report there from the Telegraph. And uh, our national treasure, PBS, uh, has a a fantastic uh, month. The whole month of July is uh, Airline Calamity Month. Is that right? uh, Well, I don't think they're actually billing it as such. (laughs) Uh, But we have the deadliest plane crash that airs. uh, Hold on, let me get the schedule here. Uh, (laughs) Deadliest plane. This is Nova. Nova for July. Uh, July 6th, 8 p.m., missing in Mig Alley. July 13th. 8 p.m., deadliest plane crash. July 20th, B-29, frozen in time. July 27th, who killed the Red Baron? It is absolutely air, airplane calamity month on Nova. Your national treasure. Brought to you by Siemens, who are making trains. Unbelievable. Yeah, well. Wow. There was a story that we actually, I think somebody ran on the blog, that there they also another story, one you overlooked, is just to give us more impetus. Apparently, Russia is in, in bed yeah, with the that. French uh, train maker to get high-speed rail throughout the Soviet, Soviet throughout Russia. Well, they ordered 200 high-speed electric locomotives. Yeah, and then they have a picture of these. Those don't even look like, you know, medium-speed electric locomotives. They're those clunkers that are all over Europe. They do they go fast, like 80 or 90, but it's not like 300, 400 miles an hour. No, it says 200 kilometers, 124 miles per hour. Well, I guess if it's in temperatures. downhill, it could hit that. That's not what I call high-speed rail. Well, the, we used the, to have trains in the United States that were steam engines that went that fast. Ah, yes, that would be the Taggart Express. Ooh, wait a minute. Boom! Ah! 
By Ayn Rand. What? Nothing. You can't take the subject seriously. <laughs> I'm taking the subject very seriously. Hey, I didn't throw any chemtrails on you, at least. Well, you just did. No, I'm, I'm waiting because people are sending me tons of links, and I'm going to hit upon oh, yeah, the actual... Yeah. You're going to have guys showing up at the house. You know the type. They're going to be like slightly <laughs> lopsided, slightly cross-eyed. That's my people, man. What are you talking about? That's my peeps. And they forget to comb Shut their up. hair. Shut up. That's my people. They're right there. So um, I, I'd, I'd like to... Wait, wait, wait. We got one more topic I want to get to. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, so Petraeus... Did yes. you notice that there, you know, here's, here's an interesting thing. McChrystal resigned, by the way. He's out. Yeah, I heard that. And, and, and they're letting him resign. As a, for, this is exactly what we said. We said he was going to resign. He'll never have to buy himself another beer ever again because people love him, the people who understand what he was actually doing as a patriot, although he was completely misdirected. And they let him resign as a four-star general, which uh, he actually, I guess he wasn't a four-star general long enough to technically be able to resign with that uh commendation but, no, but now he gets a bigger pension yeah 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 so and he it, a bigger it, pension these guys resigned and people said why didn't he just resign if he didn't like it you you have this convoluted theory that he had to do all these things to get kind of get kicked out so so i i, I know where, i know where you're going and i uh i think we should play the cnn piece from your blog actually from dvorak.org slash blog of i think you're going towards laura lara logan well, I wasn't headed toward Laura Logan, but Laura Logan was part of, you know, the, the, the I mean, the whole thing. Was, yeah, she actually was stunned. Actually, she, everyone's on her case because she stupidly made some negative commentary about the guy Hastings article on McChrystal that got him fired. And she was befuddled by the whole thing, saying, this doesn't work this way. In fact, she went on and on with about how they don't, it's not, this is impossible so just, for what this just guy play, did. play a little bit of her? Because I thought play. it was interesting. So Matt Taibbi. Uh, uh, who was the guy who was written in Rolling Stone magazine about uh, Goldman Sachs, which, of course, made no impact on Washington, same magazine, uh, an, a, another great writer. Uh, he said, you know, this is bull crap. And he, he actually says, uh, Lara Logan, you suck, was the title of his article. And uh, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that in a minute. But here she is on uh, CNN, I guess, uh, saying she's befuddled about how this could actually take place. The Rolling Stone piece that ended General McChrystal's career raises an intriguing journalistic question. Could this have happened with a military beat reporter? Joining us now is a woman with plenty of experience in Afghanistan and Iraq, CBS's chief foreign correspondent, Lara Logan. Welcome. If you had been traveling with General McChrystal and heard these comments about Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Jim Jones, Richard Holbrook, would you have reported them? Well, it really depends on the circumstances. It's hard to know here. Michael Hastings, if you believe him, says that there were no ground rules laid out. And uh, I, I mean, that just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, because if you look at the people around General Crystal, if you look at his history, he was the Joint Special Operations Commander. He has a history of not interacting with the media at all. And uh, his chief of intelligence, Mike Flynn, is the same. I mean, I know these people. They never let their guard down like that. To me, something doesn't add up here. I just, I don't believe it. When you are out with the troops and you're living together and sleeping together, is there an uns... Boy, I wouldn't mind sleeping with her. <laughs> there is a rumor. She's hot. ...spoken agreement absolutely. that you're not going to embarrass them yes. by reporting insults and banter. Yes. Tell me about that. Yes, absolutely. There is an element of trust. And um, what I find is the most telling thing about what Michael Hastings said in your interview is that he talked about his manner as pretending to build an illusion of trust. And his, he, you know, he is, he's laid out there what his game is. That is exactly the kind of damaging type of attitude that makes it difficult for reporters who are genuinely 
about what they do, who don't distinguish. I don't go around in my personal life pretending to be one thing and then being something else. I mean, I find it egregious that anyone would do that in their professional life. And, and I mean, to, I take that to the point of even when I apply to interview someone about something difficult and they want to know the areas of the interview, I might not say, well, we're going to spend the whole interview on this, but I will list that. I will list that controversial you issue. don't want to blindside them. Because I don't. So what she's basically she, saying. By the way, she's married to a Blackwater guy, you know. Oh, pff, there you go. So what she's basically saying is, you know, if if you uncover something, you need to keep it off the record and protect your relationship so that you can uh, continue to have a relationship and report. <laughs> so you can is... continue to not to give us any news. So when I saw, uh, and these are both linked to both this video and uh, Matt Taby's column, who says this is what's wrong with journalism in uh, in the world, and he's he's right. Oh yeah. But see, they're both wrong. They they both missed the point. Is that this right, was a setup? It was a setup. Right. The point that we make on this show, which is that the whole thing was an obvious setup. They actually, she actually confirms it, but she doesn't know she's confirming it. Right. She's bitching about the article. But what she's complaining about is actually telling you that this couldn't have possibly happened unless it was meant to happen. Exactly. She never says that. The, but that, but because she's not thinking in those terms. But what this gave McChrystal couldn't. People say, "Well, why don't you just quit if he hated the situation?" He couldn't. He'd be quitting with three stars. He he would be very dubious. He looked like a quitter. He looked like a coward. I mean, he just couldn't resign. It was impossible. It would he would put himself into a hole so he could get out. And what it's apparent, he tried to get out. He first he leaked the memo, which was insubordination. They wouldn't kick him out on that. Then he does something else. Then he finally does this this ridiculous interview, which just you know makes him look like a complete insubordinate. So they have to make a deal to get him out of there, which they do. Give him an extra star and tell him to get lost. He's happy. He's get, got accomplished what he needed to accomplish. And if nobody thinks this wasn't a complete fake. Set up, even though even Hastings may have not known it, but whatever the case was, just listening to her, she pretty much says this guy doesn't talk to anybody. Why is he? Why is this this guy, this this freelancer, hanging around for a month? And the partying. The, and the Pentagon has uh, that's what at least what Matt Taibbi writes has thirty thousand people in their PR department. Yeah, he says they have a budget of over three, what, $3 billion in PR? <laughs> 30,000 30, people. And then this just got through some, oops, oh, we slipped up, didn't we? <laughs> Come on, Yeah, it people. doesn't make any sense. No, and, and now we know that we're just going to be in Afghanistan longer. Yeah, and of course. Well, then they bring in. Of course, they got this. This, you know, I, I, as you know, I'm not a fan of Petraeus. But if you want to read something, dig up the Petraeus article that was written in the Daily Cost in 2007, where they blast Petraeus, Petraeus for having, for one thing, having a, a one of the Valor medals with a V on it. Yeah, it was, uh, or, a, it was a bronze star yeah. with a V on it, which means he had to have been killed or shot or something or wounded or having, you know, having. They say he's never discharged his gun in a in a war zone. He's got he's. Cut Covered with medals from head to toe, and people are talking about. Most people that are high up say, you know, you don't have to wear all the medals, even if they're not all required. If you have there's certain like above, you know, Uber medals that count for half the medals underneath them, uh, you know, these ribbons, and you can take off the ones the, the ones below. But no, this guy has to look like I've said it before, and the military people who listen to the show can say whatever they want about it. He looks like a generalissimo in a banana republic with all this, with all these things hanging off of him, and all it's missing is the big giant hat that's got the big top, <laughs> you know, that hat they wear with all the scrambled eggs all over it. Why does he wear that? I guess he has to take his hat off. 
It's ridiculous, this guy. <laughs> I hope people see it. I, ho- I hope what we discuss on this show makes people at least question some of this. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it was a good one. So I think things are moving very, very swiftly. Uh, it seems like uh, certainly in the United States of Gitmo Nation, um, there's a lot of things that need to be accomplished before uh, the November election, and it's just one after another. You know, the president was on this morning talking about uh, immigration, and it's just like, what is there something we've overlooked? Is there something else that that we can't give up control of? <laughs> Certainly, there's, there's there must be more. It's the financial reform. It's cap and trade. Uh, oh, of course, our Second Amendment. That was a good one. That was very very scary, actually, where the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. Four Actually, people had, in the Supreme Court, as far as they're concerned, guns are out. And that's so if Elena Kagan comes in, she could tip the balance and then. No, go- no, she'll be part of the, 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 the. She's replacing one of the four. Oh, okay. Phew. I believe. She's not a new justice. It's five to four right now. And it's still yeah, gonna be five harder. to four, but it doesn't it actually. I mean, we have a constitution. And this is why I love living in America because the government knows at the end of the day, we've all got guns and they, and they will lose. <laughs> That's, this is why it's great. It's, it's not, you know, yeah, it sucks. Guns, you know, people get shot and you're probably likely to kill yourself with your own gun. But at the end of the day, that's what makes America fact, beautiful. Petraeus, the only time he was shot was by another soldier, <laughs> yeah. supposedly by accident. Whoops. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, boss. <laughs> well, maybe I'll get another ribbon. <laughs> he did. I think he got the purple heart for that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's just it's it's astounding to watch. And uh, I think the, of course, we'll see this um, Wall Street reform, which the president is lying about, saying it's all about consumer protection. But please go and read the bill. It's linked in the show notes, noagendashow.com. It's, it's, it's complicated, but just look at how many times the Board of Governors is listed as the guys who are in charge. And the Board of Governors are bankers at the Federal Reserve, which is not a part of the government. And they're bankers overseeing their own banks. And, uh, and, and the government will be able to determine if something needs to be unwound, and they'll unwind it. So it's moral hazard. It's uh, go ahead and fail. We'll bail. Don't fail. It's, it's easy. It's just a beautiful, beautiful system that's being set up. And, uh, and then we'll be paying, you know, as we already showed on this show, 25% more in energy because the rest will be stolen. And we'll probably get some kind of bogus tax credit. Which that doesn't work yeah, for me. Yeah, we won't even get the we will get we won't even get the money. We'll get a tax credit, so yeah. we have to make the money to get the money. Yeah, that that never works for me. It's like I don't want a tax credit. Just give me the cash. Just send us your cash up front. And so uh, on more lighthearted yeah. news. Yes, I got a couple of lighthearted ones as well. We should. Okay, wind, well, you wind. might want to finish with those. We're yeah. wrapping up here. Yeah, you go ahead. Uh, the NAACP in California endorsed the mar- marijuana law. This is the uh, national. Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Right. Uh, and now all the black ministers uh, are all upset about this because they don't think marijuana should be legalized. And no one wants to listen to the arguments for it. Of course, we, and we have law enforcement going to be chiming in pretty soon. There's going to be a whole bunch of very interesting ad campaign coming up, I'm, I'm assuming, probably later this year. Uh, I'm guessing it'll get hot and heavy starting in September. We'll follow it. But there's a little story on it, and you can get see kind of the uh, they didn't slant it one way or the other yet because we don't have any big PR agencies uh, involved at the moment. 
Here we go. The president of California's NAACP announced today his organization is supporting a November ballot measure that would legalize marijuana. The group says it's a matter of civil rights. It says last year, 62% of those arrested for marijuana possession were non-white, and more than 40% were under 20 years old. But some leaders in the black community, especially religious leaders, oppose that endorsement. I mean, I think tobacco is is proven to kill you, and yet uh, they're not putting kids in jail for having a pack of cigarettes. I mean, come on, let's get real in America. If that's the case, then why don't we legalize crack cocaine? Why don't we legalize burglary? Uh, it's a smokescreen. Some church leaders are calling for the state NAACP president to resign. And even those who support legalizing marijuana are questioning why the NAACP is getting involved. Get ready to pay more. to. <laughs> okay, here's an interesting thing that minister comes out and says, why don't we legalize crack cocaine? So let's make the argument stupid. And burglary. A, which is an burglary. Yeah. But, or burglary, right, which is even dumber, and so, which is a specious argument. It's, in fact, it's not even very well, well argued. But then he says it's, only, then he says it's a smokescreen. It's a smokescreen for what? <laughs> it, well, yeah, pot yeah, creates a smokescreen. Smoke yeah, there'll be a lot of smoke involved, but it's a smokescreen <laughs> for, for what? what? I don't know. He, it, it was not in it my was, prepackaged report. It was not in my report, John. I don't know. I just don't know. Anyway. We saved another life, John. Good. Well, we have actually a couple of letters that came in we should probably discuss. Let me uh, do the life-saving note. I'm so proud of this. Uh, I, I, I just have to read most of it because it's, it's just one of these stories. A couple weeks ago, you guys read my letter I sent you about starting Chantix. Chantix. This is the uh, cigarette-smoking drug. Uh, no agenda. I want to give you guys an update. Last Friday, I was at the end of my second week of Chantix. I went out drinking with some friends that night, but didn't this is drink. a great story, by the way. But didn't drink as much as I usually do. I was out for about three hours. Last thing I remember, I left the bar near my house and was walking home. Next thing I know, I'm in front of a random house and some cops arrive asking me what the hell I was doing. I tell them I have no idea what I was doing, how I even got here. And the cops ask me, where are your shoes? <laughs> I look down and notice my shoes were not on me. The cop finds my shoes, but not my belt that's, that had gone missing. They asked me where my car is. I tell him I have no clue. Last thing I remember was I was walking home. The cop told me that uh, he's a pretty chill cop. I'm lucky for not getting drunk, in a, uh, for getting a drunk in public arrest. He gives me a ride home. I miss going to work the next day. I noticed a few days before this ordeal that I've mis- been mis- misplacing my keys, my wallet, my gym card, my work badge. In short, we've going nuts over the Shantic stuff, which is a lethal drug. I quit taking Chantix that night when I remembered what you guys said about the chances of quitting smoking on Chantix was about 22% or something effective versus a placebo sugar pill, which is 13% effective. Now, we, of course, uh, pulled the commercials apart specifically for this reason. So instead of Chantix, I take a sugar cube twice a day as a placebo. It's working even better than the Chantix. I have not cheated or smoked a single puff of a cigarette in five days. I no longer have vivid dreams, no more insomnia, no more nausea. In fact, I feel great, and my mind is more clear than I was when I was on that crappy pill. And he's not winding up hammered in front of random houses with no shoes on. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, disturbingly, on another note, he told a co-worker about what had happened to him, and he said, you know, I'm really lucky. He, his co-worker said, you're lucky you didn't get a DUI. He said, in his DUI class, there are about five people who got a DUI even though they were not driving. One got a DUI. This is driving under influence. Inside Carl's Jr., well, you should get a, arrested for that no matter what. 
Because he was intoxicated, they asked him where his car was. He said outside. They checked his pocket, found car keys in his pockets, and charged him with DUI. Because even though it, because he was in, he was intending to drive, it's like a thought crime. Yeah, no, I found this distressing. It's and nuts. I don't. I believe it. I believe some stuff like this happens. But I mean that's clear. And by the way, with the, with the economy in the tank like this, more and more of this sort of thing is going to happen because it brings revenues in. Now that brings us to our second email, which I think uh, this is the uh, the tale of a deadbeat dad. Uh, do you want to summarize this? Well, this guy got thrown in jail. Uh, he's actually a, he's out of work, and him and his wife he's came sick. To he has, he has he's been battling cancer. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. He's been battling cancer, and so he's got a whole series of problems. Yes, you know, and his wife is behind him on this, and he can't. He has to catch up to his child support. But actually, so- his wife is is like, you know, hey, I understand, but it's an automatic thing because the uh, it's got the, nothing to do with his wife, right? The the courts, you know, the the system takes your money. I mean, I've, yeah, let we, me read some of this. However, the county collects the child support from me and gives it to her, so they're aware of how behind I am. Every two to three months, a warrant is issued. Two sheriffs show up at the, do- at the door and, ask, and take me in front of a judge who also knows the situation, points out how ridiculous it is, and lets me go. Since my being behind is, uh, is kind of out of control, uh, apparently more recently, I guess he ended up on a Friday, late Friday afternoon, there was a knock at the door. Two sheriffs were there, and they they took me in. Here's the problem. Since I was late in the day, it was late in the day, I was going to have to spend the weekend in the county prison until the courts opened on Monday, a brand new level of hell. I'd gotten used to the routine arrest, but spending a weekend in prison was a new experience. I had no idea that, that prisoner, uh, what prisoners experienced. Some observations I made in the process... Uh, other than me, everyone I saw there was in prison for minor charges, mostly pot dealing or smoking. One uh, person was locked up over an open container violation. It must be nice to know that there's no crime to worry about over here. Uh, I do know the state pays the county based on prison occupancy. After hearing some of the bail stories, I'm convinced that the system is set up to make sure that people are locked away to increase county income. $10,000 bail for an open container violation is out of line, in my opinion. This is in New York, by the way, New York State, which is broke. And then they wanted to vaccinate him. They tried, yes. they tried to give him uh, vaccinations for hepatitis A, hepatitis B, flu, pneumonia vaccines. He explained that he was under doctor's care. The guy's battling cancer. Uh, so, you know, he had to really fight that off. And he did all sorts of blood and urine tests. They tested him for So these te- I'm sure they get money for this as well. Yeah, this is all. They get the guy in there. They, if, he, if he takes one of these shots, they get paid. You know, they have to test him for this and that. They get paid. They got him in there. They get paid. This is this is a crock of crap going on here. And then he uh, he, uh, he he couldn't pee because uh, he says he has a shy bladder. And it's hard, he says, when you got a three hundred pound guy staring at your penis. Uh, and then he said, I made one big mistake. They asked me how my mental state was while I was in medical. And he said, well, to be honest, my first time in prison, I'm a little nervous. This kicked off a number of alarms. First off, they insisted on getting me on Ativan. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure yeah, it's... So the Ativan is one of these anti-nervous pills. Made me see a mental health professional since they were concerned I might kill myself. And uh, they offered me an Ativan script when I was leaving to keep me docile. So... Um, 
he's uh, he says it's just it's you know it's a report straight from the slammer and uh, you're right John particularly in the in the hard times now with the economic crisis the jails have to fill them up bring them in fill them up doesn't matter what you're doing they got to throw you in jail so we can make some money and they're making money on all fronts on the on the drugs they give you on the vaccines they give you on locking you up I I can't believe over a weekend somebody wants to give them a, a shot flu shot <sighs> yeah well. So anyway, it looks like they're starting to destroy some of those flu shots now they're getting, you know, well, nobody's not, using uh, them. Well, no, they're, what I read is they're folding it into the seasonal flu shot, both in Gitmo Nation East and West. This is what I'm reading. Yeah, well, I'm just hearing about the old ones, the one, those straight ones, the ones that have just have the H1N1 in it are getting Well, tossed. it says here, swine flu jabs to be repackaged as seasonal flu jabs, according to the Financial Times. Well, I think there's a lot of action. There's somebody also investigating. I think that one of the states is uh, investigating the whole scam, saying that we didn't write the right contracts. Remember, this was in Canada. Well, yes, there's the, a lot of action going well, on. We, we had to revisit the topic. Yes, apparently. the uh, well, the BBC reports uh, that the swine flu vaccine contracts lacked uh, get out clauses. Yeah, duh. <laughs> so 1.2 yeah, billion great spent. they lost a billion dollars pounds 1.2 billion, billion pounds, pounds 1.5 billion dollars down the drain yeah because of that idiot that runs the uh the uh world health organization that that woman yeah miss swan chan whatever uh you got a couple more clips anything you want to play or uh well let's see what i have uh i have something funny which was oh, yeah. um during the petraeus confirmation hearing uh, Chairman uh, Levin or Levine, I guess. Levine, yeah, Levin. Levin. Uh, Levin. Uh, Levin. Words matter, I would say. So listen to uh, his uh, op- uh, 26 seconds of his opening statement. We've already seen a positive effect of setting the July 2011 date to begin reduction of our troops. Lieutenant General Caldwell, who commands our training efforts in Afghanistan, told us that when General Obama announced the date. There you go. General Obama. General Obama. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, one. and no one bats an eye. <laughs> General Obama. Well, he should wear all the medals. Yeah, he should have a cool uniform. Absolutely. Yeah. Under the uh, ACTA, now that Joe Biden came out and uh, said this is like a smash and grab, uh, well, finally, the MPAA and the, uh, what is the, uh, the record association? RIAA. RIAA. Uh, they, and everyone, they've, they've got the cops, the federales working for him now. So uh, Homeland Security uh, went out and busted up uh, a whole bunch of websites that were hosting uh, Homeland Security that were hosting uh, movies illegally. And uh, they did a whole press uh, announcement and Disney was on stage with the Homeland Security. saying, Yeah, we did a great job. They've always wanted this to happen. And then there was a little local store in San Diego. And this is from one of our uh, producers uh, uh, down south in San Diego who, re- who reported this. He said, this is, this is impossible. Uh, there was a little Asian store uh, who was suspected of uh, selling counterfeit designer items, was raided by police. It's in a strip mall. And uh, the police claim that uh, they pulled out a million dollars worth of illegal goods of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw Gucci, this Juicy this Couture, funny. Chanel, Nike, Louis Vuitton. Yeah, I mean, if they were real and they were store price, I can see it was a million bucks. But these are just, you know, the so so called uh, knockoffs. Knockoffs, yeah, yeah, cheap crap. 
So, yeah. uh, but but it's but it's fun, you know. So we we're throwing people in jail for smoking pot, and uh, and we're busting up uh, two Asian uh, elderly people for uh, yeah. Well, this is gonna, those, you know going to get worse. Oh, you got to get out of here, John. I know you you got a you got a boogie, right? So I, yeah, I got to take off. Yeah, then let me just uh, say one thing, women, ladies, are you? I'm reading from uh, scienceblogs.com. Are you independent? Stubborn or mildly aggressive in your social interactions? Are you perhaps less interested in having sex with men than your neighborhood nymphomaniac? Are you possibly even lesbian or bisexual? Worst of all, are you pursuing a career in a masculine profession and possibly deferring pregnancy and child rearing to a later date or indefinitely? You may have a disease. Yes, it's congenital adrenal hyperplasia, better known as CAH. And it's a real disease. And we're coming up with a vaccine for it. <laughs> the American Academy of Pediatrics has confirmed CAH is an actual disease. You are masculinized and you're in trouble. Oh, brother. <laughs> Please um, read the entire uh, report in the show notes at noagendashow.com because uh, you're just in trouble. We have to get you a shot pretty soon. Some hormones. Because uh, lesbians is an illness now. <laughs> I had to leave on a funny note at least. Yeah, that's a, I think yeah, that's more depressing than the rest of the stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, show on Sunday as normale? Yeah. Okay, good. You care to tell where you're going? Are you t- flying? Uh, no, I'm taking the train. <laughs> so I have to leave three days early. <laughs> Normally, I would take the plane. I'd be up there in a couple hours. Right, you got to take the train. It's going to take me three days to get there. I'm gonna, but I, I prefer it because I don't want to eat rat turds in the plane's <laughs> meals. Oh, by the way, they don't serve meals on the plane, so I don't know what that's all about. Ah, uh, yes. It's fun to live in Gitmo Nation. Coming to you from the hilltop, Watchtower Crackpots Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California, yay, in Gitmo Nation West. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And in the northern part of the state where uh, Silicon Valley doesn't exist, uh, but the sun does. I'm John C. Dvorak. And the government doesn't own the sun yet. We'll talk to you again on Sunday, everybody, for early morning service right here on No Agenda. No Agenda.